Welcome to Setting Captives Free podcast. Jesus said, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. But many people wonder, how can I be free from things I've struggled with all my life? Anger, impurity, anxiety, depression, fear, gluttony, and so on. Well, today, Eric Hurt and Mike Cleveland study a passage of Scripture that will help you enjoy the freedom that Jesus died to give you. All right, we're back together again today with a new podcast, and I'm here with my brother Eric Hurt. Eric, thank you so much for joining me. I'm so excited about this subject we're talking about today. Yeah, it's good to be here, Mike. I'm very excited as well uh, to talk about the gospel for the church. It's uh, just something that's near and dear to our hearts and looking forward to getting into it today. We left off last time discussing the first section of your first lesson, and we're talking about the chief goal of the church, and now we're going to talk about the primary function of all believers. And so we read that in the Great Commission, and I'll just read Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always, to even to the end of the age. And so you ask the question in here, what is the primary function of all believers in Jesus Christ? Or in other words, what is the primary function of the church? And Eric, I think we answer that question in the text itself, which is to make disciples of all nations. That's the primary function. But then you ask the question, well, what makes one a disciple of Jesus Christ? Um, and so what are some things that have been taught to the church as to what a disciple is, how, or as to how one becomes a disciple? Uh, well, according to the church currently, uh, you know, we're called sometimes to just make an, a decision or walk an aisle um, and, uh, you know, and to pray this prayer. And then, behold, you're a disciple of Jesus Christ. And, um, and, and that's not really uh, the message that we're discussing today, is it, Mike? Yeah, that's exactly right. So a lot of times you just fill out a connection card, you know, and behold, yeah. we're in. Um, and this mm. is not what a disciple of Jesus Christ is. It is, is not the uh, definition of what a follower of Christ is. To simply raise your hand, repeat a little prayer after me, and fill out a connection card. And so we need to discuss this today, Eric, and hopefully clarify really what a disciple is and how one is made. Because after all, it's the primary function of the church to go and make disciples. Mm -hmm. so we need to know and understand uh, how do we do that and what is a disciple. And so you start with this passage of the Great Commission, and you want to talk about the authority of Jesus Christ um, and so you say that it's important to understand the foundation on which Jesus received all authority. When he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, what is the foundation upon which Jesus could say that? 
And what you're referring to here is his work on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. In other words, because Jesus died and rose again, he's been given authority in heaven and on earth. And so, Eric, why is it important that we're tying the authority of Jesus into his work on the cross? Well, because this is, this is how you make true disciples. Uh, this is where he was given all authority. Uh, this is where everything happened, brother. It's just so remarkable to consider the cross because everything happened there. Uh, this is the purchase for the church. Uh, this is where uh, sin and decay was dealt with. It was dealt with in the body of Jesus Christ. Uh, this is the love of God. It's just remarkable that God took on human flesh to, for this purpose. And, and so faith comes by hearing this message. Faith comes by hearing the message of the cross, uh, that we might see uh, that, uh, you know, sin and death was dealt with. Uh, it was put to death. Uh, and that's why it is so important that we can make the connection uh, to the cross continually, especially here in this, in this opening statement of the Great Commission. Uh, it's very clear what our mission is, like you said, to make disciples of all nations. And, you know, Jesus given authority was, is very clear. The connection to the cross is very clear. And I, I didn't want us to miss it, you know, and um, this is how we need to read all of scripture so that we, we don't miss the power of the cross. And this is how we rediscover the power of the cross if we have missed it. Uh, we don't want to, we're not here to shame any church. We're here to help rediscover the power of the cross and, and not to miss it. And, and it's so important, I think, to see, uh, and I'm really glad that you showed Jesus' authority is connected to his death and his resurrection. I see that very same thing, Eric, in Philippians chapter 2, where it says that Jesus made himself nothing. Um, he took the very nature of a servant and was made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And then it says, therefore, in other words, because Jesus humbled himself to death to purchase all of mankind, because he did that, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. In other words, there's the authority. I'm submitting to King Jesus. I'm bowing my knee. Why? Because he died for me. He humbled himself unto death and he rose again and God gave him the name that is above every name. And it talks about him becoming king of kings and Lord of Lords. Why? Because he sunk so low, Eric, as to descend down to this earth and, and to descend to a criminal's cross on behalf of criminals to forgive them and pardon them. And then he rose from the dead in power. And now he has authority because his name's above every name. And he's the King of Kings and he's the Lord of Lords. He has authority because of his suffering and his death. And so I really appreciated how you bring that out um, because Jesus' authority is given to the church to take the message of the cross and make disciples with it. 
And so you might even say, when he said, I'm with you to the end of the age, uh, he was saying, as long as you're preaching this message, as long as you're making disciples and teaching them to follow me, I'm with you in that. Um, not just a promise, I'll be with you, but my presence, my power, my authority is with you while you proclaim the message I've given you. And, and so um, I love what you're doing, Eric, here. I love what you're doing because you're taking us by the hand and you're leading us to understand this message better and to understand why the church needs to rediscover it. Um, let's just go on and we see here that you're giving uh, the reason why Jesus was given all authority. You connect it with Matthew 28, 1 to 6. In essence, it says, Jesus said, don't be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus, who was crucified. He's not here. He has risen. Come see the place where he lay. Now, this is the passage right before the Great Commission. So, you are taking us by the hand again and showing us, do you see how it's tied into the gospel? The, uh, the authority of Jesus is tied into the gospel. So, Eric, come with me to the next page. And what we're going to see here is that this is the message that makes disciples. So just tell us briefly, if you would, how does this message make a disciple? How does this message make a disciple? Yeah. <laughs> Brother, this is so exciting. Uh, I love how you, uh, your commentary on our previous page, I really, really appreciated that, how uh, you tied that in with uh, that Jesus has been given the name above all names. And this is just a totally different authority than any other authority we see here on earth. It's just incredible, brother. So, you know, when we hear this message, we hear it, we're to believe it. And upon hearing the message of the cross, that Jesus died for the forgiveness of sins, you're not to be reminded of your sin. We're not to look deeply into our past and so forth. But to see the cross is to see your sin put to death. To hear this message is to hear the message of life and power. And when you hear it and believe it, you're going to be circumcised in your heart. And when you're circumcised in your heart, that means you were put to death. That means you believed the message again, or for the first time, perhaps. And, and when we hear it and we're circumcised in heart, we're buried. We're buried with Christ and we're risen with him. So it's based upon hearing the message of the cross that we're made disciples and then it's hearing the message again. Like we talked about in our previous podcast, we need to hear it again because it's fresh again. We need to be reminded constantly this message and how it ties into our freedom, how it ties into breaking sin's power. And, and so initially we need to hear it for salvation and we need to continue hear it to hear it for our sanctification, all the way to our glorification. And, and, and then we'll be with him forever, looking at the purchase, his wounds, his feet, his side. And it's just 
incredible, brother. So this is how we become disciples. And so if this is how we become disciples, this is the message we need to preach. Uh, foolishness to some, but power to others who hear it and believe it. That, so what you've done is defined a disciple now. And that's important because earlier we talked about as a disciple, one who raises his hand saying, I, yes, I choose to follow. One who has, um, you know, been, uh, been baptized. Um, and certainly these are not bad things. We're not saying they're bad things. But what we're saying is that a true believer, a follower of Jesus is one whose heart has been cut by the message of the cross. That is, they've seen that message, they've, they've turned to the cross and seen the blood of Jesus atoning for their sin. They've seen the, Jesus taking the wrath of God that they deserve, and they see him, in essence, rescuing them out of uh, hell, out of their trap of sin. He set them free. They see this message, and it cuts their heart that he had to go that far and, and shed his blood for them. And they see that they should be hanging there. And so Jesus did it instead. And they put faith in that message and they've died and risen again. This is a disciple of Jesus. Um, and, and so let me ask you this question, Eric, because for the past century, in essence, since around the, the turn of, of 1900s, in the early 1900s, the church started limiting the message of the cross to only salvation. Well, of course, if you look at Romans 1.16, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and then to the Greek. So the gospel is the message of salvation. And so why would we say it's anything more than that? This is the message that gets people saved. And once they're saved, I don't need it anymore, right? Because I've already become saved. So move on from the gospel to something else. So why are you challenging that belief, Eric? I'm challenging, we're challenging that belief because uh, the gospel is so much more than just power for salvation, although that's a great power, isn't it? It's amazing. It's for everyone, for everyone who believes. But the word of the cross in 1 Corinthians 118 says the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. Some are going to reject it, uh, but some are going to listen. Uh, they're going to hear it. Uh, they're going to receive God's power for salvation. But in this first Corinthians passage, it says the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So it's for those who are being saved. And we see that through all the writings of the New Testament, don't we? Correction. It's, it's the power for salvation, but it's also the power for everything in life. It's where we find answers to life's difficult questions. Uh, it's where we find power for our sanctification, for everything. The cross is for salvation, sanctification. I mean, it, it's just, it's power for the unbeliever and power and maturity to the believer. We will not mature if we're not seeing the connection of the cross, the power of the cross daily in our lives, uh, the power to walk in the spirit, 
the power to be renewed once again as we're being transformed. Mike, we're being transformed into the image of his son. Uh, not just initially in salvation, but we're, there's a transformation taking place. And that transformation that takes place is visiting the cross daily, seeing what Christ purchased for us constantly, and seeing the benefits and power of the cross together, and receiving fresh from the Spirit daily, to walk daily in the Spirit. Uh, and when we're doing this, it's just so remarkable to see that everything in your life changes. I have hope today. As we're discussing the power of the cross, I'm renewed right now in my spirit. I, I'm lifted up and excited to be able to share it with others, to tell them and to remind them, look, this isn't just for a salvation message in the future. This is power for you to live a new life right now this very moment uh, where everything can change for you now. You can be free from habitual sin right now. You can begin to love your family or whoever, friend, even your foe right now, because this is what we see when we look at the cross. We were enemies of God. We were sinners. We deserved death. That cross was for us. And yet Jesus stood. He actually hung in our place. And, and so, yeah, we, we don't want to count, we don't want to play a numbers game or, or say how many got saved today and then move on to other things. No, we want to stay here. How can we help you today? How can we lift up the cross for you to see the power of it today for you right now? And so this is why we must um, share that the church needs to rediscover this power. The cross has never just been a salvation message. Um, it's been power for the believer, you know, to mature and sanctify him or her. And, and where do we go when we sin? We, we look back up at the blood, the eternal blood of Jesus that continues to pour out to us where we're forgiven again and again, where we're able to forgive our brothers, not seven times, but 70 times seven, continually, because we see how much we've been loved continually through the shed blood of Jesus Christ and his powerful resurrection from the dead. I love that answer, Eric. I absolutely love that because we're not saying that the gospel is not the message of salvation. Surely it is, but it's so much more. Um, it's power for living differently today. Mm. It's keeping power. In other words, the gospel, when I hear it today and it fills my heart with love and, and the Holy Spirit inflows to me again today, that's like an anchor for my soul. It keeps me from wandering back out into sin. I've seen, once again, the extent, the length to which Jesus would go, and it, it keeps me in him. And so this is the necessity of hearing the good news again and again. To us who are being saved, it is the power of God for the church. And this is why you wrote this book, hoping that the church would rediscover the power of the cross. 
And so I want to ask you this question next, and you address it, and that is the definition of the gospel. I think if you were to ask uh, the church worldwide today, what is the gospel, you would get all kinds of answers. The gospel is the love of God. Uh, the gospel is the forgiveness of my sins. The gospel is that I should love God and love my neighbor. The gospel is that I should follow Jesus. Just last week, Eric, I listened to a sermon uh, where the pastor said, and this is the gospel, that we follow Jesus. Hmm. And so no wonder the church as a whole doesn't have a united singular message when they're hearing that the gospel is a hundred different things. Hmm. But the scripture doesn't allow us to do that. The scripture defines it very carefully and very clearly. And so, Eric, what is the gospel? <laughs> well, we read it here in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 through 4. And let me start off by saying real quick before I read this passage that, that the gospel is the message of first importance. And it's very important that we, that we key in on this as a whole, or, or, or we recognize that what we're about to read here is of first importance. It's not second or third or fourth or last or to be left out. But wouldn't you want to always share what is of first importance? And so it's very important for us to recognize that. So let me read it here. It says, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And so what Paul is saying here in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 4, is this is riddled through all of the Old Testament scriptures. The first important, uh, the message of first importance is in accord with all of the Old Testament scriptures. And I love it because we see that this is the message that he received, and, and now he's delivering it. When we receive it, brother, like we've been talking about, uh, when we hear the message and we're put to death and we rise to new life, we've received it. It's, it's dealt with our, we see that Jesus dealt with our sin completely when he died for us. We see that he, that, that, that our old man was buried in the tomb with Christ. And we see that we have raised to new life in Christ when we believe this message of first importance. The message that we received delivers us and frees us and rescues us and ransoms us and redeems us. And then we happily deliver it to others. This is the message, brother. This is the message of first importance. This is the message where you said earlier, we need to be laser focused on. Why? Because this is where the power resides. This is the message that you hear and believe, and it, you'll never be the same. This is where God said that he would take out our hearts of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh. Uh, meaning we're dead before, but when we encounter and experience the power of the cross, our desires completely change, our sins are forgiven, we're washed white as snow, and everything 
is made new. It's just incredible, brother. This is why it's so important that we recognize that this is the message of first importance. That's so important. It's the first importance. It's, and it's not as if there are a second and a third. This is the main, you know, the emphasis of all, all of Scripture. Um, and so the gospel, the word gospel means good news. And so if I tell you, Eric, you need to take your cross and die with Jesus. If I just say that, that isn't good news. I, that would be horrible news. That would be awful. I couldn't even fathom it. Um, Eric, you need to follow Jesus and live like he did. That's not good news. That's, that's horrible. I can't do it. Um, Eric, you need to love God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul, and you need to love your neighbor as yourself. Horrible news. Bad news. It would be like telling me I have to go dunk the ball in the basket hoop. I can't do it. I'm not tall enough. Good news. The, the message of the cross needs to come across as if it were good news. And that's why it's defined for us in, in two principles. Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures, and Jesus was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. That alone is the gospel. Anything else could belong to any other religion. God is merciful. Yes, so the Muslims say, Allah is a merciful God. Any other message than Jesus dying on the cross for our sins and rising from the dead is another gospel. Now, it might be the result of the gospel. The result of the gospel, if I really believe it, I enter into the cross, so I'm actually taking up my cross, too. I'm dying to sin. I'm dying to my cravings of my flesh, as Jesus did. But that's a response to the gospel. It's a result of believing the gospel, not the gospel itself. And so I love how you defined it here, because uh, we have to make sure that when we go into all the world and preach the gospel, that we've defined it as the death of Jesus for our sins and the resurrection of Jesus on the third day. All of it is according to the scriptures. And so as we continue on in this, in this passage, in this lesson, you make this statement and you say, problems and errors in life always come when we turn away from this message. And in so doing, we begin to ad lib, giving our own message. And so this is exactly right, that we can avoid problems and errors in life by focusing on what Jesus did for us, what he accomplished on the cross. And, and this keeps us from error, from heresy. It keeps us from heresy and from error and from turning away from God. Because again, as you said in the first podcast, God and his message are one, right? The word of God, Jesus was the word and the word was God. In other words, the message that God communicates is connected with the presence of God himself. So if we don't turn away from the cross, the message of forgiveness through the death of Jesus then we are actually staying with God himself. That's, that's so important. Eric, the Galatians had turned away, and so Paul wrote them this letter. And, 
maybe you'd want to read that as far as um, how he was astonished at them. Yeah, absolutely. This is Galatians 1, 6 through 9. It says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Boy, brother, this sure is a powerful uh, piece of scripture here. There isn't another gospel, but Paul is astonished that they're deserting the real gospel, right? And they're turning to a different one. But then he follows that up and says, well, not that there is another one, because there isn't another one. There is one gospel. There is one message of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And other gospels, or so to speak, other gospels, are to distort the gospel of Christ. And this, this is heartbreaking that we would see this in the church that Jesus purchased with his own blood. Um, and it, it's just, this is why we, we love doing these. If anyone preaches a gospel contrary to the one you received, see, the gospel is what we receive when we hear that message and we receive it with power. We believe it. We receive it. We're, we're filled with his spirit. Uh, we're given the ability but through the grace of God, because of Jesus' death, to walk in the power of the Spirit. And when we walk in the power of the Spirit, we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. This is real freedom, brother. The gospel of Jesus Christ brings real freedom, real power to the believer. And that's why this is the message of first importance. And this is the only message the church was given to give out to their church members and then to take out into the world. Right, brother? Exactly right. And you make the point in here that the per there's a purpose of there being another gospel. And the purpose, mm. you say, is that, and you're just quoting basically Galatians 1.7, is that some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so the purpose of another gospel is to trouble and distort. And so the, the necessity then is for us to focus on the real one. And the church needs to rediscover that power, that message of freedom, that message of, of love, that message of the death of Jesus, the blood he shed. Remember, Eric, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. And, and forgiveness is the power of freedom. And so if Amen. we leave out this message of forgiveness and power and freedom, we leave people in bondage and sin with a distorted gospel. They're troubled in their souls. Um, you talk about the fact that, and you're quoting from Acts 20 here, that uh, Paul writes that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. 
And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, being alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And so um, these fierce wolves are going to come in, not sparing the flock, um, but speaking twisted things. So, Eric, how do we define a wolf? according to this passage? Well, yeah, people that are coming in speaking twisted things, they have lost their sight or maybe never had it on the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? Um, and this is why Paul is admonishing night or day um, and with tears, it's hurting his heart that fierce wolves would come in, not sparing the flock, it hurts them that they would come in with a twisted message or twisted things uh, that would draw disciples away after themselves rather than the message of the cross, which makes disciples of Christ. And so this is a huge difference, isn't it? This is very clear here um, that one message makes disciples and draws them to Christ. But those fierce wolves that come in, they're speaking twisted things to draw them to men. No, 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 no. We're to be drawn to the Savior. And, and where does this happen? <laughs> well, Jesus said, when I am lifted up, I'll draw all people to myself. And so the cross itself is like a magnet when we preach it. We, we preach it and then allow the cross and the message of the cross and the spirit to work together to draw people, draw their hearts away from everything else, away from any other gospel, away from fierce wolves, away from getting distorted in our own teachings. See, we can become distorted in our own teachings if, our, if we're not laser focused ourselves on the message of the cross. And, and so this is why Paul is admonishing them day and night, uh, alerting them, reminding them for three years with tears. Uh, this shows the, how the message has deeply affected him and how he desires them to be laser focused on this message of freedom, forgiveness, and power for them. You know, you have done a wonderful ministry to the church right here, Eric, because you've defined what it is to be a wolf and how can we recognize a wolf. Wolves can look like sheep. They can smell like sheep and talk like sheep and act like sheep. Their only distinction is this false gospel, this twisted message, twisted things. And so now the church should understand, now I know how to recognize now I know what solid, sound doctrine is. It is pointing me straight to the cross, not only where Jesus died to forgive my sins, but where he draws me up to the cross and I die with him so that I've turned away from my, my past life of sin and found new life at the foot of the cross and in the resurrection of Jesus. And as you said, that keeps you and I from having our own teaching become distorted. 
and so this is a, a, a powerful ministry to the church in helping them to understand and recognize what a wolf is. There's really only one way, and that is, are they teaching the cross of Jesus? Do they point to the blood he shed and the resurrection by which he justifies you? This is it. This is the, the, the thing that we have to watch out for. Um, you know, there's a lot of, of, of teaching of discernment, right? Make sure and, and be discerning in what you hear. And that's good. And that's right. But give us the way to know. And the way to know mm. is, is the cross being lifted up in front of our eyes. Are we seeing our sins dying? Do I look there? And do I see my guilt being placed on Jesus and his righteousness being given to me? Do I see him suffering and bleeding his wounds? And do I understand that he did it all and he finished it so that I just rest in what he did as I war against my flesh? This is what keeps us, Eric, from becoming distorted in our own teaching. Um, the cross is, is that powerful. You quote Acts 20, 28, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained or bought with his own blood. And so it's the blood of God that purchased mm -hmm. <clears throat> his church. And, and that's, <clears throat> that's why we want to make sure and this is why I think you are, are calling attention to the fact that a false gospel is a distortion, is a twisting of this message of the blood of Jesus, the forgiveness of our sins, and the resurrection of Jesus. Um, 2 Peter 2 says, false prophets would arise among the people. There will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. Eric, you pointed out here that a heresy is to deny the purchase price made by the master. And, and, and I love that. Uh, that's powerful. Um, so how, do, how does the, the death and resurrection of Jesus protect the church from destructive heresies? Well, this is, it, it is the blood, right? It is, it is the blood of Christ. It is the purchase uh, that Jesus made on the cross for us. Um, this is how we remain focused uh, and don't get carried away or carried off into other teachings. When we focus on the message of forgiveness and power, when we focus on the message of our bleeding Savior, it is the blood of Jesus Christ that protects the church. It was the blood of Jesus Christ that purchased the church originally, and it's the blood of Jesus Christ that now protects the church. He purchases and protects the church with his own blood, and through his powerful death, through his powerful resurrection. And when we're focused on this message, because... In, in the former passage, it says that these people will rise up from among you. Uh, and what's, what's, the, uh, what's the outcome? To destroy the flock. So fierce wolves come in 
to destroy the flock. But the Lamb of God was raised up on the cross to purchase the flock, protect the flock, and care and nurture the flock. And so what a contrast we have here, brother. By the blood of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, the Lamb of God who opens wide his hands, his nail-pierced hands, lifted up on the cross for us, a Lamb who was led to the slaughter for us, silently, didn't open his mouth, but went there with joy in his heart for us. He was loving us. This is where we're loved and protected and purchased and redeemed. This is, this is how we're kept, all of us. And, and, and this is how we can recognize a, a false teacher or someone that comes in that's trying to draw disciples after themselves. They don't have this message. Maybe they've denied this message. They, they denied the master who bought them. They, they denied the master who poured out his blood for them. And, and so we need to pay careful attention, right? This is how the church is cared for. He obtained her, his bride, with his own blood. And anything else, brother, is a distortion of this gospel. And, and we certainly don't want to be distorting this powerful gospel. Eric, that was so powerful. The imagery of the wolf coming in to devour versus the lamb who shed his blood to protect. That's the difference. And the way to know is the message. Amen. Is the message that of Christ crucified and risen from the dead? Or is it a different message that's distorting and twisting and warping that message? Eric, this is such a powerful lesson. Just we've only gone through one and it's just, this has so affected me today. It's warmed my heart. It's warmed my heart and warmed my heart. Um, <laughs> I thank you so much for writing this. What if there's somebody, maybe a pastor listening um, and, and he's, saying, I don't think I've been as laser focused as I need to be. By way of closing today, Eric, what would you say to that pastor? How can he come back to this message? What will it take for him to understand that this message is the message of power? What does he need to do? Maybe speak to him and then, and then if you would, just close us in prayer. Okay. Yeah, if a pastor is, is, is recognizing that he's maybe got away from the message or, or, or never been focused on the message, we invite you to come to the cross now. Just look. Look at the purchase price for you. Look and see how we were far off and brought near by the blood of Christ how we were enemies of God. We were sinners. We were weak to do anything about it. And so God did what nothing else could do. The law could not do it. Our own efforts could not do it. So look at the cross with us, friend, and look and see that everything happened there. Literally, 
Look there and see his blood pouring out for you. See that, the, the, that he is purchasing you, that he is purchasing the entire church, that he's protecting the entire church, that through this message, through his death and, and through his resurrection, through his shed blood, he, through the curtain that was torn, is his flesh making access to the Father forever. This is through Jesus' blood. This is why animal sacrifices are over, because it was finished on the cross with the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Brother, please see that this is how the church is protected. This is how the door is wide open for Jesus to be intimate with you and your church members, is to preach him in every message, to teach him to be laser-focused on the cross. Uh, on, on what his shed blood accomplished, on, on what happened when, all, when we enter into, like Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. When we enter into the power of the gospel ourselves, we die with Christ, we're buried with Christ, and we raise to live a new life where Christ lives in us. So this must be our message. This, this is the message that is heard and then experienced and lived out through his spirit that he gives us. This is the message that will save marriages and free captives. This is the message we use in our counseling. This is the message we use day to day in all of our teaching and our preaching um, sermons. And so friend, if you haven't before, come. Come and look and see and believe once again. And then when you prepare for your sermons, look how each passage is pointing us to the cross. We just can't escape it. It'll be a new discovery. Every day it's a new discovery for us believers. It really is. And then it warms our heart and warms our heart, just as Mike was just saying. So, so let's uh, go ahead and pray. Our Father in heaven, we're so delighted to be able to talk about the cross again. Jesus' powerful death for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus' powerful resurrection on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. It just so warms our heart. And today we see it warning our heart. And, and we're so thrilled because this is the purchase and the protection of the church. Uh, this shows our church members that when fierce wolves try to come in, how we can recognize them now. They don't have the message of the cross. They don't have a bloody message. They have a self-focused, twisted message. And so we're protected through the blood of the Lamb. The blood protects us, and so the blood washes us white as snow and sanctifies us and matures us and the cross is the anchor for our soul. Think about that, the anchor. The cross is dry ground and stable ground and an anchor so that we're not tossed to and fro by other teachings and doctrines that may contain twisted things. The cross is our focus. The cross is our stability. The cross is life and liberty. And, and it's just... We just pray, Lord Jesus, that this message 
is rediscovered by the church, that they rediscover the power of the cross, that Jesus would not be continually knocking on the outside of the church, but be welcomed in. And we have fellowship and deep intimacy with you. Freedom through your blood. Freedom through your stripes. That we're healed through those stripes that you took for us. And Lord, we just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This has been a podcast of Setting Captives Free. For more information or to enroll in free interactive courses on finding freedom, please go to settingcaptivesfree.com. Tune in next time for more truth that sets captives free.